The following is a presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 27th gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 11th of October. I am your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and I didn't fill out anything else for the third portion, so it, uh, just pretend it was something really freaking cool while you are gathered at the meeting table. Ta-da! Uh, our guest this week is a returning guest. We have the amazing... Roland Coons with us, and he spoke with us in our sixth meeting about the uh, importance of art in games. So uh, if you haven't heard that episode, please go back and check that out. It was a, it was a very good discussion. Really appreciated that one. Uh, Roland has a new venture, and uh, it's called Scroungeable Games. And we are going to be talking about, and I think when you were here last time, you talked a bit about Heavenly Immortal Monkey King. Oh yeah, and I bet you you have more to tell us about that, don't no, you? He doesn't really? shut up about it. He just keeps <laughs> <laughs> which is good because it's fun. Absolutely, we want to hear all about it. Uh, so uh, thanks for uh, for coming back to talk to us, Roland. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to <laughs> hang out with you dudes. Yeah, we we try to keep it uh, keep it loose, low key. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I am wearing pants though, not that mm-hmm. loose. There is a dress code. Guests can not wear pants if they want to. I didn't realize I had to own pants. <laughs> Be on the internet. Well, as long as you keep the camera above the waist, we won't know. All right. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, my second in command here at the Adventure Party is Glenn Bittner. He is a movie reviewer on the YouTube show B-Movie Bunker. He is the creator of the RPG Mist Runner, and he was recently at a gaming event in Oshkosh. How are you, and how was it? I am freeballing and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Commando. Uh, it, uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I had a, a good good fun weekend. Uh, Oshkosh, it's new game of Palooza, is a, uh, used to be uh, called Oshkon. Adam, who we had on yes. before, yep. Adam Loper, retired from doing it, and some other great gentlemen took over, and is now called New Game of Palooza. It's a smaller con, but I, for just having just pure fun, I, I like the small cons a lot. Um, there's always something to do. It's it's easy. People are just more, I guess, friendlier um, in general, and it just might be because of, of the the smaller atmosphere and everything. But I got to play some new games. I play tested some of my stuff. Which was great. Um, I just had to hang out with friends. Did I see you playing Formula E, which you reviewed earlier? 
You did see me play Formula E. I love the Facebooks. I get to see all the stuff that you do. <laughs> I also I also played Xeno Shift, which I reviewed on here. Oh, nice. And Colt Express. What? Three games? I don't just review the games. I live the games. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> well, speaking of you living the games, uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about uh, card games, board games, you name it, anything involved with games. Uh, we're going to talk about it. And to start off, we are going to have Glenn review another game. And if this is what I think it is, I really want to hear all about it. It is what you think it is, Brad. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sentinel Tactics. Um, this is brought to us by Greater Than Games, the same gentleman who brought us Sentinels of the Multiverse. And yes, this is set in the same universe as the card game. Uh, so Christopher, Christopher Badel, Luther Bell Hendricks, Kevin uh, Nunn, these are the guys who brought us this. It's published in 2014. Uh, it's two to eight players, depending on what you're doing. Um, and general playtime, I mean, it's 45 minutes and up. It all depends on how many players you're doing, what you're doing. Um, this is a tactical miniatures game using characters from Settles of the Multiverse. So you can be Legacy or Ra, Wraith, uh, Tachyon, um, and there's two different ways to play it. You can just play a skirmish where you pick a hero or several heroes or villains or whatever, and you just duke it out with other players. Um, or you can play a scenario. Uh, for example, I ran this today at New Game of Palooza, and we did some skirmish stuff, and then we did a scenario where I was Baron Blade, and I was being trying to, they tried to stop me was uh, Legacy and Bunker. They failed. <laughs> um, but uh, the way the game plays is it's it's a hex board and it's tiles so you can get a different setup when you play um, and then you each p person has a hero or villain uh, depending on what you're doing who has you have uh, your health your movement your uh, your defensive like that is on your like character card and then you have some kind of innate power usually some form of attack maybe some kind of defense thing. Then you have a hand of your power cards. Um, these are ones that are not going to always be active because what you're going to do is the first thing on your turn, you're going to power up. You're going to be able to play one of those cards from your hand in front of your character. And you can generally have two powers active at any time. So if you want to put a third one out, you have to dump one of the other ones. And these will give you different attacks, different defense things, stuff like that. Um... A skirmish is simply you just go out and beat each other up. A scenario, you have objectives. And it plays really cool. I like the way that they've handled a lot of the things. There's um, your old dice is, is how combat stuff like is resolved. Um, I'm attacking you with, you know, Bunker's attacking with his flat cannon. He's going to roll five dice. Uh, just regular standard, you know, one to six dice. Uh, one to six sided dice. Um but a lot of attacks have built-in auto misses. So, like, uh, his flat cannon, uh, like, I think it's a two and a six are auto misses. Anything else is a hit. But it also depends on range. You have melee attacks. Obviously, you have to be right next to somebody. But range attacks, the way they figure out range is, obviously, you have to measure how far away you are. 
but then you know if your attacks hit, just because Bunker rolls a, rolls a three, which is normally hit with his flat cannon, it only hits if the person is three or less away from him, because the attack dice also determine the range of your attack. Hmm. Um, it's it's got some some nifty features built into it, and it just uh, it comes with tons of tokens and all that stuff. You can get uh, this is the the first version is, is the Flame of Freedom, um, and there are minis you can get as well. So the Flame of Freedom has a Flame of Freedom mini set, which will then give, replace all the tokens with minis instead. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I've liked this. I, I, I played I played some demos of it uh, about a year ago. I played a game at Gen Con this year, um, which was enough for me to buy it. And then I played it... Uh, I ran a couple of skirmish games uh, at this weekend. We did a scenario this weekend, and the scenarios are are super cool because to set them up, the scenario books are it's made like a comic. So oh, when, okay. you first op- when you first open it, like the first scenario, you have a two-page little kind of intro thing of the this is what Baron Blade is doing and why he's trying to steal these objectives, and then it gives you goes into setup and this is how Baron Blade wins or this is how the heroes win, and it's just it's got it's got a really nice look to it. I love, and that's one of the things I love about Sentinels of the Multiverse is it has that that cool comic book look to it. Sure, and yeah. that carries over into into the uh, this game, uh, Sentinel Tactics. Yeah, Greater Than Games has done an amazing. Uh, they have an amazing line uh, that they have to offer. Um, you know, my uh, <clears throat> oddly enough, my ex-wife got me into the card game of Sentinels of the Multiverse because she knew how much of a, a, a comic book nut that I am, and uh, uh, and so uh, I've gotten to play that a lot and gotten the expansions. And every time I go to one of my friends' houses, they're like, "Did you bring Sentinels?" You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a beloved game in in my group of friends here in in the Wausau area. So. Um, it's nice to see that the I, I had concerns when I heard that they were going to be doing a miniature version of this, and um, from what you're saying here, and what I've heard from some other folks, it looks like this is a game that I really should be adding to to my game library. So, and the great thing games is they know they know how to work a crowd, they know how to work social media. Their event at Gen Con, they had a uh, qualifying tournament at Gen Con, which then fed into the World Championship, which was also at Gen Con. They had, uh, I believe, streaming on Twitch, they had live announcers who were giving, like, kind of like a play-by-play commentary and some of the stuff. It was awesome. And uh, one of the guys I played with today, he had seen the game before, but he was instantly peaked because he was at Gen Con. He saw all this stuff with the announcers and just, you know, it was being televised as it was. And they really (laughs) know how to... uh, promote their product, which a lot of companies could take lessons from that. Sure. That's very cool. And what is the typical retail price of a game like this? Um, This one, I have to remember now, Sentinel Tactics, I want to say is around 45. Okay. Let me, uh, let me double check. $40. Oh, nice. Is the is the MSRP for this one? Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the mini sets run about thirty dollars. Okay. Okay. 
So the miniatures are not required, but they do add something else to the game. They add that, you know, there's that, I mean, you can paint them up, you can make them look cool, but you don't, you don't need the minis. You get, you get a, uh, basically a cardboard a token for every, every figure that would be used in the game. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. But the minis, the minis pack replaces all of those tokens with a mini, which is pretty cool. I mean, the major minis. I mean, minions, they, they, they can remain as cardboard tokens. They're just minions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to share the screen here so people can see what the unpainted minis look like. Um, and there we go. There. Okay. Ooh, so, yeah, they're... They're amazing to look at, and let me see if I can find. Well, and there's a, a, a different thing. If you notice, the bases are clear. Yeah, which is that, and, so you can and, see what they're standing on. Yep, and because then on the hexes, the elevation is shown by dots on the hex. Okay, so sure. Minnie's standing there. You can still see what elevation he's at, so you can tell. All right, what's my range to him? Or can I see him? No, I can't because he's on a range one, and there's a range two building in front of us, or a height two building in front of us, so I can't see him. Okay, okay. We don't, you're not constantly picking your, what am I standing on? Oh, yeah, I'm on a height three. <laughs> sure. And then in, in, in the front of the hex at the base is the name of the character. Correct. Which is, is really nice. And I'm going to pull up something where... It shows somebody had painted the miniatures, and uh, no, that's not the image I'm looking for. Oh, shoot. Uh, click, 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 click. i got to stop that. <laughs> it's a bad habit. Clickety-click, click. Did I find it? Oh, I just went right by it. Um, so, yeah, are. I'm going to pull up a larger version of this. <clears throat> Blade. There we go. So, uh, yep, Baron Blade, Beacon, and Unity. Mm -hmm. are here and uh, a, a very I commend the person that painted these figures because that's some beautiful work some very nice painting there and uh, yeah I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of hyped for this game <laughs> I, I need I need to come up by you Brad and run a game day sometime absolutely you do I you know uh, definitely have a place for you to stay <laughs> so, uh, yeah, feel free. Feel free. I would love to love to do that. All right. I'm going to stop sharing the screen here so we can get back to everything. Um, Roland, we haven't really heard from you on this. Uh, have you played any of this, uh, the Greater Than Games stuff? You know, I tried the uh, the original Sentinels of the Sentinels of the Multiverse, and I, I liked it. It was good, co-op game, uh, pretty solid. I, I only played it once or twice. Um, I believe I died pretty quickly, if I remember correctly. But that's you know that's the hallmark of a uh, a long uh, spanning co-op game. You know, if you if a newbie can't die doing it, then it, it's not going to last very long. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> This is, uh, my ex-wife got me the big box, and <clears throat> she was very kind. Uh, we did something where um, we would pretend to give birthday presents from our son to each other, and uh, <laughs> she, she ended up uh, 
getting me a lot of the expansions. <laughs> so this box is pretty much full. Um, and uh, uh, it is the card game uh, is is a lot of fun. And like I said, I haven't played the uh, the tactics stuff, but uh, definitely definitely looking to get in on that. So I just need to put this monstrosity of a box of yeah. If you're only listening to the audio version of this, check out the YouTube version because you get to see the the monster box I was holding in my hand, and this thing weighs a good you know 10, 15 pounds full of cards. There we go. The kind of game you could kill a man with. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I have at least a, a couple of those on your shelf, just in case you have a home invader looking to steal your board games. <laughs> Suck on some Sentinels. Yeah. Whack. Yeah, that would definitely put somebody in a coma if you hit them <laughs> appropriately. Uh, not that we're uh, condoning murder with games. <laughs> But I'm sure it could happen somehow, some way. Um, and right. and I, I, I have ragged on Cards Against Humanity many times in the past. Yes. That would be a good weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so Glenn has finally found a good use for Cards it's, Against it's a, it's Humanity. It's a nice, dense, and if you go and get the bigger, blacker box and all these expansions, you got like a pretty meaty club. So That is a meaty club. I mean, that box is a good, what, foot and a half long? Easily, yeah. Yeah, if not two feet, and yeah, full of cards with card. Like if you get the, not the stuff you print out, but if you purchase it and get the the card stock, the laminated card card stock that they use, yeah, that becomes a very meaty club to say the least. Duct tape it to a baseball bat. You have a makeshift sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> multiple uses too. You know, it would be like a utility game. If you set it up properly, it could be like a a club slash smoke screen because then all the cards are just <laughs> everywhere. And, <laughs> and then you're gone. And then you're gone. And like they're a, in your living room, and they're very confused. <laughs> As they're bleeding, broken, and confused. All right, now now that we've... Uh... <laughs> Boy, this conversation took a turn, didn't it? I, I blame myself, frankly. All right, uh, we're going to skip the uh, the normal news that, uh, that I do, and we're just going to... Uh, Give the reins over to Ryan Murphy, and he's a regular contributor with his Galactic Gaming News, and he covers more of the digital beat of gaming, and he has another update for us. So please, take it away, Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Galactic Gaming News. Neil Gaming. Neil Gaming News. Anyways, welcome to Galactic Gaming News for the week of September 27th. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy. Let's take a look at the headlines from out of this world. First up, big news. Campaign previews for Halo 5 go live. Big fan of Halo? Then you've probably marked down October 27th, like myself, on your calendar. That's the big launch of Halo 5 on Xbox One, and just this week, we've seen another close look at the campaign. Your favorite video game website probably has 15 minutes of crisp 60 frames per second. I'll, I'll admit, it looked really weird having not played Master Chief Collection 60 frames per second just yet, but lots of Halo goodness to consume. Get a good look at some Master Chief missions and Agent Lock missions. What are you waiting for? Go watch now. Uh, well, at least finish finish this. Don't, it's like what, another three minutes? You, you can wait three minutes. Wolfenstein's sequel, I am all about the pronunciation today. Wolfenstein's sequel leaked? 
Do you enjoy the relaunch of the Wolfenstein franchise? What about the DLC expansion that they just released this summer? Well, Machine Games uh, may have follow-up for you as the sequel has been supposedly leaked. By whom, you may ask? Seems an overzealous voice actor mentioned that a sequel is in the works and is due at some point in 2017. Considering how well-received the game was and how Bethesda is interested in publishing franchisable hits, this seems like a no-brainer. 2017? Looking forward to you. LEGO Dimensions warps in on the 27th of September. That's today. How do you feel about the toys to life genre? If you were to ask me, I would answer, which amiibo have they announced this time? Seriously guys, I have a problem. Turns out we have a new kid on the block and it's all thanks to a little toy company you may have heard of called LEGO. Dimensions arrives today and features many different franchise favorites, including The Simpsons, Portal, Scooby-Doo, DC, Doctor Who, Jurassic Park, and probably many, many more. If you've enjoyed the LEGO games in the past and want more physical LEGO toys around the house, this seems like the to Toys to Life entry for you. This has been Galactic Gaming News, a weekly segment for Galactic Netcasts, a movie adaptation of The Martian, directed by Ridley Scott and starring Matt Damon, is being released October 2nd. Galactic Netcasts is celebrating the night before with Andy Weir, the book's author, author making his return to our Sci-Fi Geeks Club podcast. Would you also like to be on that podcast? A chance to hang out and discuss your favorite book with your favorite author? How do, how do you ask you could do that? Well, I'm about to tell you, hold tight. Just go to patreon.com slash galacticnetcasts and make a minimum pledge of $1 a month to support Galactic Netcasts, and you'll be put in a drawing for the chance to be on the panel for that episode of the Sci-Fi Geeks Club with Andy Weir. Now, this is going to be the last week I'll be mentioning it because when we record, this had already happened. So you've got three, four days, get on the Patreon pledge, and you will be entered into a draw to star in a podcast with Andy Weir. For everything I do, go to ryanmurphy.ca or follow me on Twitter at rmurphy. If you're interested in more video game goodness, be sure to check out The Gamers In at gamersinpodcast.com. We just had a uh, lovely guest on, Janice. We discussed Destiny in detail, both from a perspective of a, new, of a new player and a returning player, so it's a lot of fun. I am... I, I can't believe I'm not playing Destiny right now. I'm here talking to you guys, but that's just how I roll. Um, so anyways, each week, Jocelyn Moff and I run down the games we've been playing, chat industry news, and take questions or comments from listeners like you. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you all later. All right. Thanks for that, Ryan. Uh, we are going to move on to the Kickstarter spotlight, and last meeting we spoke about a game called Clear for Takeoff. Now, and I think that Roland would really kind of dig this. Ooh, they're getting down to the wire. I hope that they make it. Oof. Clear for Takeoff? Yes. Now, this is a game that is, takes place in the 1960s. It is a board game, and it's all about you getting your plane off the tarmac and into the air. <laughs> now, while it sounds, you know, it, we've talked about, you could, if you do a game well, you could make a game about pretty much anything. Oh, yeah. And, and have it be entertaining and have it be worthwhile and have an incredible, incredible amount of replayability. And when we took a look at this, 
um, I, we all pretty much agreed that there's a lot going on here that's pretty wonderful. And the art on the cards is all 60s styled uh, because that's where the, the game supposedly takes place, JFK, JFK Airport in the 60s. And uh, numerous stretch goals here, but oh wow, with, at this point in time they have 17 days to go and they are just uh, just under half funded. So oof, I really hope that they make it because there's a lot of lot of wonderful things going on here. Yeah, it looks really, uh, the components look beautiful, definitely. Got a really strong uh, look going for it. Yeah, an incredible... It's, it is, a, like, you, you know, you, you really can just put any sort of uh, theme you want on a strong set of mechanics. Like, you can reskin it uh, any, any way you like. And, and that's how a lot of board game designers sell games, is just, here's a really cool, uh, amazing set of mechanics that's fun. Uh, and then the company takes it, and they're like, well, yeah, uh, maybe not the 60s airplanes. But uh, the cool thing about Kickstarter is that theme can actually come to light, and, you know, you can make that even that a reality. It's a, it looks really pretty. Yeah. I, you know, and when we were talking about it, the, the videos that they have for this are really well worth watching. Um and the, and the artwork that you get to see for the cards that, you know, are individual um, cards that e either can help or harm your plane getting into the air. But uh, it, all of it, all of it is styled in that kind of 60s, I don't know how else to describe it, but like 60s artwork style. Um, and you as an artist might have a better way to... To, to, to describe it, but to me, it embodies like 50s and 60s advertising. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was like going to say. Yeah. Very much, very much so. Uh, yeah. Like the war and post war kind of illustration style. Yeah, yep. There you go. Absolutely. So, oh, so close, so close. But um, enough about for takeoff, we are going to talk about a new game that Glenn has found up for us called Folklore. And tell us about this. So Folklore the Affliction from Greenbrier Games. Um, they've got 15 days ago on this one. They were looking for 55000 With 939 backers, they're at $132,499. So this one's going to be made. Yep. Um... Folklore of the Affliction. So, as the tagline says, face your fear, bring your faith, fight your nightmares, build your character, and embark on a dark fantasy RPG board game adventure. So, Folklore of the Affliction, it's a dark fantasy role-playing board game, one to five player, uh, which I love things I can do one player because I don't always have friends. Um, uh, you I, always have I, friends. I don't always have friends <laughs> who are in the room with me, and so I just want to play board games without my pants and Jello. Um, so <laughs> what? It was hot and I was hungry. Well, there's that. Got to make a. Got to make some forever friends. Like get a get an extra head sewn on your shoulder. Kind of thing. That's a. Only if, it's, only if it's Rosie Greer. Um, <laughs> 
So you will adventure in a land steeped in fear, myth, and superstition. Hunt or be hunted by creatures of antiquity and legend. Explore dangerous locales to find clues to the sources of evil, seeking claws into the heart of the land and decimating the population. Defend the weak from the scourge of witchcraft and the demonic, the taint of lycanthropy and vampirism. Advance through highly immersive stories of epic scale with multi-layer character development in an ongoing quest to drive the darkness back into the hell from which it came. So, the components, first of all, I will say, look awesome. Oh my god. God, these miniatures are amazing. Beautiful minis. Okay, you've got, you got your, your heroes. Oh. You've got uh, all these different creatures. You've got werewolf, vampire, wolves, you know, their little minions, um, demons, uh, some zombies, some skeletons, that type of stuff. You've got a beautiful board, beautiful artwork for the cards and all the components. Um, but what, aside from the theme, because I'm a huge folklore mythology fan, um, both of the horror variety and you know the you know, folklore horror, but also just folklore in general. So I was just attracted by the name at first. Then I saw the minis. Then I went down a little further and I saw who's involved in the development team here. You have uh, Adam and Brady Sadler or Sadler. I always I always get their name wrong. These are the guys who made uh, Descent, Journey in, Journeys in the Dark, uh, Second Edition. They worked on Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, and now they're working on this. You also have Jason Engel, uh, who's an artist. He's done stuff for Magic the Gathering, D&D, L5R, Pathfinder. I mean, he's just hes a phenomenal artist. And then there's this uh, gentleman who's been around a little while. He's, he's not quite a new face in the scene. His name is Ed Greenwood. Um, if you ever heard of the Forgotten Realms, yeah, he made that. <laughs> for, forgotten what? Forgotten Realms. <laughs> just kidding, yeah. Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Remember that. Um, Always and they're doing like tie-in <laughs> novels uh, kind of thing. Uh, the Whispering Skull is a folklore tale that Ed Greenworth uh, is overseeing with his production company. Um, so it's a creative partnership that's going to tie these books to the game, which sounds pretty darn cool. Um, I, I don't know tons about the gameplay yet. They don't, they haven't, they don't say a, a lot about how the game plays. Um, I'm assuming based on what I know about Descent and the fact that uh, the Sadler brothers are in on this, I have kind of an idea of what I think they're going to do. Um, but I like the fact that you get better if you survive. So, okay, you know, if, okay, if, if, you, sure. if you make it through stuff, you get better. So you basically, because it's that RPG kind of theme where you can level up, you can yeah. get better at what you do. Yeah. You're sure. not playing the same static person as the challenges get harder. Well, yeah, the challenges get harder, but you also get better at surviving. So it just it looks beautiful, um, and then there's already your two. They only have two pledge levels, um, so you're either getting the game, or you're not backing this, or you're you're just backing and saying, "I just want to make it have some money." Um, but the only pledge levels for rewards there's ninety five dollars. Um, that gives you the core game. Plus uh, some, you know, applicable stretch goals, which they've unlocked a bunch, which I'll go into. Or you can go 149, you get the deluxe, which includes all app applicable stretch goals. It includes the core, folklore of the affiction core game, the Kickstarter exclusive pack, which adds more minis, um, character record pad, encounter record pad, and alternate color Kickstarter exclusive pack. 
Um, so, the uh, that is that like a flesh golem or just a straight up Frankenstein monster? I mean, that's amazing. That kind of sells the game by itself, right there. Yeah, that, that, that big awesome. like Frankenstein looking thing. Yeah, and that's <laughs> in the uh, Kickstarter exclusive pack that adds stuff on. Uh, but the they've already got. I mean, because they're already over double what they wanted. Um, first, they have add-ons that you can add on. So if you just want some one or two things, maybe you get the the base ninety-five one. And you say, "Oh, but I want the uh, the ghost miniature pack, so I'll just add that on." Or I just want this one thing, I'll add it on. They also for add-ons they have custom uh, boxes. You can get a single-player component box to store and play with your character, or you can get one for the whole game. It's like this handcrafted wooden box that looks freaking amazing. It's $300, but it looks amazing. So for those who really want to have that extra experience, you can have this you know, old-timey-looking wood box. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's made out of white ash. It just looks gorgeous. Um, but the Kickstarter's already, they've already unlocked uh, Arintha the Blood Queen. Uh, they've unlocked the Courtesan, which is another mini. They unlocked the Moon Priest. Uh, well, the Courtesan is another hero. Um, the Moon Priest and other monster. They unlocked uh, a map pack, um, Powers of the Otherworld card set, the Dark Dryad miniature expansion, the Dungeon Halls map pack expansion. They've got the Story Journal Shadow of the Dark Spire is, is, has been added. They've got the Illusionist character card and miniature. Um, oh, yeah, and you can, if you die, like you can become like a ghost. Huh. But on the uh, the good heroes side, or do you flip sides? Is it? Is I don't there a know that. I, I'm assuming uh, you probably add. You probably fight against your friends then. Oh man, I love co-op games with defectors. That is that is one of my favorite things. Uh, so, I, from uh, what I get, from what I gather from the video as well, ghost is not the only possibility. You could end up possibly as like a werewolf as well, or something like that. Even better. Wow. So let me throw this at you. This game, so it, it's at about, you know, almost three times its funding. Yeah. This game probably could have been made without Kickstarter. How do you how do you guys feel about I mean, we see it a lot now. Um, um especially with the big box games like like Rum and Bones, a, a bunch of the cool mini or not stuff. Like really, you know, a, a good chunk of the stuff that I saw at Gen Con was stuff that was kickstarted. Even though it had publisher support already, like I, I love that this game's getting made. It looks really awesome, but I feel like they're kind of using it as a uh, an advertising campaign. You know what I mean? And of course, it, it helps to just like get everybody to buy the thing. Um, I I can see what you're saying. the The thing is, is that I think some of these companies, like with Greenbrier, they're not they're not huge. They're not like cool mini big or fantasy flight big. Um. So to take a chance on a game that has, like, this level of components, this is the type of game, if, if they sink, you know, $60,000 into this and it tanks, They're that could really hurt them as a company, yeah. like, big hurt. Because, I mean, I've heard of the, heard of the game, so a lot of the other games they've made, but how many of you have heard of Zpocalypse or Heavy Steam or Yashima? Nope. I've heard of these because I I, I get I get the order catalogs. 
Right. Yeah, so, me too. Actually, that's a fair point. That is why I've heard of him as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... So, yeah, I, well, yeah, and I mean, I love that they're getting made, too. I guess uh, just, like, being devil's advocate here, like, they already sank a ton of money into this. Like, look at all of the fully realized box art, all of the fully realized models. This game has been cooking, and they weren't... Well, like, if this Kickstarter didn't happen, what do you think they would do with all this stuff? Well, well there's, there's, there's not saying that, that they've printed all these copies of the game. Oh, right. Yeah, this, oh, no. This, you know, this, this may... That. All these pictures, some of this may be simply be... Like, the cards and stuff, that all could just be simple computer rendering. Oh, yeah, certainly. Definitely. Um, another thing, another reason why some of these companies do this, the Kickstarter thing, is because, especially a company that doesn't have a, a really long, successful track record, um, they can they can run a Kickstarter, and then they can go to the distributors and say, hey, we had a thousand people want this game. Yeah. So when they get predictions of the, we think we're going to sell this many copies, they've got proof that, well, there's already interest for it. So the distributors will pre-order, which lets them print more copies of it and yep. guarantee them more sales. <clears throat> it's it's a lot of a lot of stuff with Kickstarter for these for these bigger companies is used as a distribution tool to boost their numbers in distribution, which lets them make more of the game. And looking at how the market is now for games and comic book shops, you need to order... People just don't order copies of games to just sit on the shelves. So being able to have a Kickstarter and say, look at this amount of support that we got. There's definitely an interest in this game. Smaller smaller shops would be more likely to order a copy to have on their shelves and gauge interest in their own market. So, you know, it it, it is advertising, you know, you you're not that that's absolutely 100% true. Um you know, some of these game companies probably don't have a whole lot of capital sitting around, so, you know. Oh, yeah, it's not. The the margins are uh, smaller. Yeah. yeah. It's a tight industry. Yeah. And uh, I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from, too, Ron, because, you know, you're I, of yeah. the... Yeah. You're, the, you're an independent game creator, and you want to use Kickstarter for your stuff, and there's mixed, mixed thoughts, because I've talked to uh, some of the, the game company people who have used this, uh, like uh, Ray Wears, who does uh, Suro, Throw the Seeds from Calliope Games, and, and some of the guys from Cool Mini. And it's mixed, because you talk to some independent creators where they don't like it because they think that if someone goes and buys the Zombicide Kickstarter, they're not going to buy my game, because they spent their money on Zombicide. There's the other thought is that by having Cool Mini get a game that has 15,000 backers or more or whatever... It might be that people who have never been on Kickstarter and never would have been interested hopped on because they want this Zombicide expansion and they want to get it before it's in the stores or whatever, which didn't happen with the last Zombicide, but um, <laughs> because of shipping issues. But they'll they'll hop on there and they'll make a Kickstarter account, they'll back it, and they'll say, "Wait, there's other games on here," and they'll look through and they might say, "Oh, that one looks cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that too." It's 
I, I, I don't have any, like, actual physical, like, here are the numbers of the number of people who, yeah, right. you know, signed on to, uh, you know, this latest thing. Um, but I think overall, I think, I think overall it's a net good. Yeah. Because yeah, we're getting games that we wouldn't, some games that we wouldn't normally, we wouldn't otherwise get. Um, and as a retailer, there are some retailers out there who are just, they, they freaking hate Kickstarter because <laughs> they think it's, it's, it's stealing sales from their store. Now, to a degree, in, in some cases, like Cool Mini, when they run a Kickstarter, in a way that does take some sales for me because Zombicide is an established title. If I have it in my store, people will come get it, but of course if they can get it with, on the Kickstarter, so people will do that. But some of these games, like uh, some of the other ones we covered in the past that have gone into distribution or are going to do for like Wombat Rescue, it's a game that wouldn't have been made without Kickstarter. Which means you're not losing sales because people bought that game on Kickstarter because if it wasn't had been on Kickstarter, you would have never been able to get a copy in your store because it wouldn't have been made. And then what happens to the wombats? Exactly. Exactly. Those poop so, games don't make themselves, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, not, um, not, non-Devil's Advocate me knows that this is a good thing overall. I just wanted to, I thought that'd be a oh, good yeah, no, no. I, mean, I thought that'd be a there, good little there check. Are legitimate, you know, there are legitimate concerns at times. It's the, <laughs> when, is the company, when is the company too big? To use something like this, because I mean, oh, like, yeah. well, like Wizards of the Coast, Coast did a Kickstarter for the next Magic Hit. You're like, fuck <laughs> you guys. You're owned by Hasbro. Yeah, exactly. Which is, is, which is also is part, which is also partially owned by Disney. So I'm like, you've got like 88 bajillion dollars, just like you know, like on a desk somewhere. Not and even then what it's just money he's got laying around. Like it, so then at that point it is definitely an advertising campaign. Like the the super hardcore people come in, they can get the stuff early. Well, although I guess I've had a lot of reports and and grumblings about, oh yeah, I kickstarted this thing and you bought it before me in the store, huh? Haven't gotten my copy yet. <laughs> but well, there are, there are there are some there are some publishers on Kickstarter who realize the importance of the local stores and. They will send the stuff out at the same time, so the stores oh. will get it the same. So those that have a retailer level, not all do, but some of them have a retail level where it's like you know, hey, you know, if you if you can give proof that you have a store, show us a picture of your store and whatever. Um, <laughs> you you have to you have to provide some kind of proof. It it varies yeah. on who who's running it. Um, some of them will you know ask you know you'll have to prove. Proof of like distribute, you know, what distributors you buy from, or stuff like that. Um, they'll send you the stuff, and they'll send it out at the same time. Um, but like, what happened with Cool Mini is some people didn't get their Kickstarter stuff right away because the shipping container containing all the Kickstarter stuff kind of got lost, Aww. and the shipping container for the stores didn't. <sighs> <Okay. sighs> so, oh boy. I mean, and, and things like that happen, but it's also like like the stores that complain about, you know, well, the Kickstarter people get it, you know, before I do, so I lose all that money. I'm like, well, then we should get rid of Kickstarter, and then we should get rid of Gen Con because people go to Gen Con and buy stuff that I don't have in my store yet. Oh yeah, and that's. We should, get rid of, we should get rid of every show that premieres stuff, and we well, well, then we better get rid of you know. Any store that sells a, if anyone sells a game a day early, well, we should burn them to the ground. 
that they've broken the rules. Yeah, I'm kind of following this to the logical extreme, but yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember um, I had mentioned this story before, but when White Wolf released the hardcover, the the first edition of Werewolf, you got it at Gen Con, and then like a month or two later, it was going to be in retail stores. <laughs> um, and I had a friend that owned a small game shop, and he was furious. Uh, that that was the case, that, you know, people were going to be able to get their hands on it at Gen Con. Now, granted, not every, and this is when Gen Con was in Milwaukee, uh, and his store was in La Crosse, so I could see maybe a little bit more of a concern, because if somebody was a, a diehard White Wolf fan, they would just drive across the state and get the book. Now, that said, that's kind of an extreme thing. <laughs> you would pay to enter the con and buy the book, that's I, I you know no I don't I don't really think that that's the case but that said um, I can see how you know shops get really upset at stuff like that it's just where do you draw the line and where do you as a retailer kind of let go of some things where the more People get the games, they talk about the games, if they're really good, and share them with friends, and those friends want to buy a copy, they go somewhere to get it. And, you know, well, and that's you know, the thing. The Kickstarter, it's a one-time thing. I, yeah. can't, I can't go back on, on the Kickstarter and get this first, first season of Zombicide. It's done. Yeah. So, yeah. but, I mean, when for those stories, you know, those people who talk about, well, this is stealing all my sales, I'm like, well then no. You're not you're not doing your job as a retailer right. Yeah. That's like that's that's the I'm gonna be I'm gonna be frank here. That's the excuse of the week. If your store is so horrible that there's no other reason for people to stop in uh then because you get games first. I mean if you're if your people don't do their job and approach people that come in and try to find out what games they enjoy or find out, you know, provide a damn service. Don't just sell people games. That's a quarter of your job. Yeah. You know, be the store that people brag about and are proud of having in their part of uh, of their community. Don't don't be a jackass and just sit behind the counter and expect sales to roll in. You're you're lazy and you deserve to close, frankly. <laughs> and I have very yeah. strong opinions about that. Got to um, get out there and start spinning that board sign. Well, you know, you just, <laughs> you, you know, I've been to, I've been to a local game shop here and I, I hate to talk bad about that, but I have had very spotty service. I've gone in intentionally looking at things you know, with my wallet in my hand and not had anybody approach me for five minutes. And that, to me, and, and it, they treat it like a clubhouse. It's not, you have to find that, that line of clubhouse and business. You need to, you need to mix with the clients, that, you know, people that are coming in and gauge interest and then move on to the next person and, and keep serving people that come into your store. Mm -hmm. Um you're there to provide a service and not just chit chat with with a certain group of people that you you may like. That's that's not your job. So I'm gonna make a T-shirt that just says <laughs> provide a damn service. That's that's what I'm gonna do. Well, I mean, for, as, 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 a, 
there was a, a game we covered in our Kickstarter spotlight a while back called Post-Human. Yeah. I've got, for my stories, we've got 18 of them coming in. So if there hadn't been a Kickstarter, I would have zero copies of a game that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the market, uh, and we're probably talking a little too long in this, but, I mean, things that are important to realize, the market has changed. You, as a retailer, don't have the ability to... Um, and Glenn and I were talking about something before the show where um, he was at a shop where uh, it, uh, Powers in Green Bay where they had a lot of back issues. Newer stores that... <sighs> Newer stores or stores that, that currently exist typically don't. There was a time in the 80s and 90s where you bought with the thought process of, I'm going to have five or ten back issues for this. I think that's a good idea. You don't do that anymore. You specifically buy to sell out because any money that you have tied up in product does not help you. So that whole thought process of, the more that games have the opportunity to get out there and you try to find that game that people are interested in by way of saying, you know, Kickstarter is a very good thing because that will get people interested. And if you as a retailer have your finger on the pulse on Kickstarter and find these games later on, if they do reach distribution or whatever, you know what games uh, will you'll have a good idea of what games will probably sell in your store. <clears throat> and you can talk to your, your people about that that come into the store. Hey, I heard about this game. What do you think of games like this? You know, and you can try to figure out, do I, should I have this game in my store? How many should I purchase? I mean, it's still, it's, it's still a lot of work to do, but Kickstarter overall provides you a service. I mean, Quite frankly, Kickstarter, if you have the right frame of mind, Kickstarter Kickstarter provides you as a retailer a service. And you need to utilize those tools to the best of your ability to do good things for your store. So there you go. All right. That's enough of standing on a soapbox. Um, no, good game. And I... I, I this is on the higher end that I, I think that we've been talking about in the past, Glenn. It's $95, but quite frankly, if you also do RPGs, if you use miniatures in your games, here are some great horror monsters, and even the ghosts are made out of translucent plastic, which is phenomenal. Um, I, I would highly recommend this game if you are the kind of person who likes to reuse components to to add to uh, other games that you do, and I think this kind of segues a little bit into our guest, Roland, nice. and Scroungeable Games. And uh, first off, thanks for coming back on the show. Really oh, appreciate yeah, that. And, uh, you know, when you were on last time and you are, you are an accomplished artist. You've, you've done work for Glenn. You've done work for a number of other people and we truly, truly dig your work. And now you've taken your skills and abilities and you have created something called scroungeable games. And you were working on heavenly immortal monkey King. I know you've had a chance to play test that a bit. 
and uh, we have you back on the show to talk to us about scroungeable games and what qualifies because if i understand correctly scroungeable games is really kind of a, a, a going back to the the whole core concept of like a cheap ass game oh yes yeah, is, is that okay this is this is not a, a new idea it is a, a different name for that same idea but and and there are some cheap ass games still uh you know I, of course there are still cheap ass games being made uh, James Ernest uh, has been doing this for quite a while. Um, <laughs> actually, um, just picked up one of his newer ones, Captain Treasure Boots, and got a chance to to try that out. And I'd be happy to talk about that too. Uh, but the the general idea, for those who do not know, is uh, I have a ton of uh, board games, so I have a ton of board game components, and I'm sure you guys do too, uh, <laughs> and as do many of the people that listen to this. And uh, instead of purchasing and repurchasing similar components every time you buy a meaty game. Uh, the idea is just to uh, take a stock of your components, uh, you know, use them as generic tokens and things like that, and just have a new set of rules and, and mechanics and uh, perhaps some art, some cards, things like that, um, and you just buy that <laughs> for, you know, much less than you would another uh, $99 minis game. Sure. So, uh, Heavenly Immortal Monkey King is a uh, fairly quick around the table tactical battle game where you uh, get to play as a whole host of different random characters. Uh, you you randomly roll characters. It's kind of, if anyone's familiar with uh, Gamma World, it's kind of got that oh. <laughs> uh, that idea built into it where you'll you'll take some d20s and, and you'll you'll actually roll four d20s and you'll come up with like you know. Uh, uh, adolescent uh, mutant turtle ninja, for example, or uh, a whole bunch of other things. There, there are charts. There, there are probably too many charts. Um, and uh, each of the little properties will affect how you do battle. And what you're trying to do is uh, chop off the other guy's limbs, uh, steal their properties, and end with the coolest dude, basically. Uh, uh, whenever your limbs get too chopped off and you, you die, you just come back. So it's it's real uh, quick, fast paced. You get around the table really quickly, and you uh, get to keep chopping limbs. So um, <laughs> yeah, and the idea there is uh, so for me to make a full fledged version of this game, like okay, it's possible that I could put together a Kickstarter for that. It's gonna take a lot of time to make a successful Kickstarter like that. Uh, uh, the one we just looked at there. Uh, that's a a lot of prep work from the artist, for sure. There's there's a lot of uh, 3D modeling that needs to be done. There's a lot of uh, art that's already in the can uh, once you get to that part. And then, of course, you have to like make a big, fancy uh, production of the uh, the video. You have to uh, do a bunch of... Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you have to do before you actually get the game out there, right? And so uh, with a scroungeable game, you say, okay, I'm going to purposefully design my game uh, around the idea that uh, these people have uh, generic components that I can use. Like, I know that they've got some, uh, you know, some RPG dice, all right? So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. I'm going to build that into my mechanics. I know that they ha are going to have some playing cards, and I know that they're going to have a bunch of tokens, right? Uh, probably a grid of some sort, if you can... Uh, play on a, a gridded, tiled kitchen table, or you can play on a, 
uh, you know, a, a checkers board or, or whatever, you know, a chessboard. Uh, these things are, are already out there, and uh, now there's a whole new way that you can play with them. There you go. Uh, nice. uh, it's the general idea. And I, I'm building a few of these. Um, I'm actually, by the time, so uh, if I'm not incorrect, this is being broadcast, like, as we record it. Right, the video itself. Yes, yes. Okay. The video and, and, is going out live. And then the the is the, is the video released in a different way in a couple of days, and then there's the audio thing in a couple of weeks. Is that what's going to happen? Uh, uh, Something well, like that. Funny <laughs> story. Uh, yeah, okay. the video is most certainly available. Uh, we always uh, have links for people to watch the videos. Uh, right now, I'm with. Uh, I was behind already, and then I lost my computer as I was trying to catch up on getting the audio stuff. So I'm still behind on getting the audio out. Um, I'm probably about mm, 10 episodes behind. Um, but uh, we're working through that. And um, so we'll probably get this episode out, God willing, in, in about three weeks. But uh, we do heavily push the video to, to get that out right away. So Awesome. So, uh, well, probably not by the time the, you're seeing the video, but by the time you are hearing the video, uh, I will have that out for digital distribution. Um, and I, I'm just going to go with a pay-what-you-want model, you know, just kind of get it out there. So, oh, wow, yeah, nice. There you go. Um, now, I, I, I sent a little link here if you want to show off some cover art there. There's a little bit, uh, little bit more art to the game and such, but, of course... Uh, the big deal is uh, the charts and things like that. You see that? Is that coming yeah, in? I'm coming yeah. up to it right now. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me. And or, or I'm I, going to... I don't know if you can just send the... I don't know how the uh, screen control thing works here. I, I can show it to you. Oh, okay. There we go. I got it right now. I'm jumping right. over. <laughs> I love this. There's, there's the cover. Thanks. Uh, sure. uh, get front and back. The the uh, digital distribution will come with everything you need to print off the cover and everything like that. Of course, you don't have to to play the game. You can just print uh, the couple of rule sheets, get yourself a checkers board, and and dig in. Um, yeah, and that'll be that'll be out very soon. Uh, now, so Glenn, I was going to ask you something actually. I know that you've uh -oh. been. Yeah, you you said not to do any homework, but now you have <laughs> questions. Um, so what what's been your experience with drive through RPG? Because I I'll probably throw it up on there. It's not an RPG. It's close enough, maybe. I also um yeah so yeah what what was your experience? I, I have another idea too. Um, I sold a fair number of PDFs of Mist Runner through that. Yeah. Um, not a ton. I mean, because there's there's a lot of product on there. And you're also competing with some bigger companies that have product on there, too. So, um, But it is, if you don't have the means of, of having it somewhere that it can be, where someone can buy it and then immediately download it, if you don't have the means to do that, it's a great service. I mean, they obviously take their, their cut of whatever the sales are. Um, I don't know if, if they can do a pay-what-you-want thing. Um, they yeah. might, I don't know. Well, um, yeah. But, um, I mean, one, it does get you into their database, which, you know, if someone is just looking, they might find you that way. It 
will give a bit more of a uh, reputable nature to to your game because of the fact that you're on that site as opposed yeah, to just yeah. hey visit my you know for like me it's hard because you know hey come to the naked hobo website. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did that to yourself. Go to bitfurter.com. I have multiple domains because so I, I realize how that works. Um, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've had an okay okay deal with it, and I know lots of people who have used it and have had a, a decent deal with it. So I don't know anyone else that does, like, this type of product um, where it's, it's print and play, but there's got to be there's got to be stuff out there that does it. I will, I will talk to uh, some friends of mine. Um, my friend Eric does a lot of stuff with the Pro Spiel, which is all playtest groups and stuff like that. So he might yeah. actually know someone, or someone know someone who knows someone who knows a guy who does this thing. So <laughs> I see. I will ask the deep around. web. Gonna gotta hunt through the deep web. <laughs> the deep web. Uh, sound creepy. So here's another. Uh, thing that I found, uh, I sent a link, but it doesn't look like I sent a, a link. But yeah, the itch.io. Have you seen that? Oh, one? there we go. Uh, you guys which one? This? Uh, it's um, called itch.io. Itch.io. Uh, no. And I, I actually, yeah, it doesn't sound very pleasant. It sounds like a, a computer virus, but um, it's actually a, a digital dis distribution uh, platform for both digital and board games. You can put up whatever you want on there, basically, as long as it's some sort of game. Uh, that's freaking cool. Yeah, and, and it lets you set a minimum price uh, if you want to do the pay-what-you-want model. So not only... I, now, I, I looked around on DriveThruRPG, and I found games that were pay-what-you-want, but okay. I also, uh, whenever I put in, like, a dollar or uh, even 50 cents... When I bought something just to you know test out their their whole model, uh, it did say uh, you are above the average uh, <laughs> uh, oh. with your contribution here. So it, it seems like most likely in that case you're, you're going to be getting a lot of uh, I wish to pay nothing for this, which I mean oh. that's fine. I mean you yeah when when you say you can pay what you want for this, uh, you got to expect. Uh, the one thing that I want to caution you on, Roland, and this is kind of – and I, I work my real-life job. Um, I, I work in uh, in web, in radio. And, you know, the one thing that I have learned from radio is that offering something with the ability for it to be free doesn't necessarily – give people the opinion that it is worthwhile. Now, if you... I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I do another show with some other folks here on Galactic Netcasts called um, Sci-Fi Geeks Club. And we spoke with a gentleman who was writing a book and did some research and it was, it was soft science and he was working on it and talking with people that had some more knowledge on some of this science and, and put together this, this wonderful book. And as he was doing it, he offered it as like a free download on his site. And, but it was done in, in a fashion where it wasn't 
necessarily easy. So some of the people that were interested in his book didn't want to go through the hoops and they're just like, could you offer it on Amazon, please? And he's like, yeah, sure. And uh, he was giving it away on his site. So uh, the minimum that Amazon does for an ebook, I believe, is a dollar. Yeah, it was it was 99 cents. Uh, it was a dollar. And he put it on there and it got like 30,000 copies sold. Wow. And uh, Andy Weir now has a movie out called The Martian that you may have heard of. <laughs> I, I saw that uh, tonight, actually, when when saw it today. So, you know, easy availability, but also putting a definite value on something. Whether that value is $2, you know, I would I would set a minimum. You know, make sure that people know that you have value in it. So people think, oh, it's free. Now eh, get to it. You know, <laughs> and there's just we've been trained as consumers that something that you pay a little bit more for is is more worthwhile. And whether that's true or not, it's perceived reality. So you know, I would I would definitely try to do something where maybe it's you know a minimum of two dollars or whatever minimum, but do put a minimum on it just as as just unsolicited advice because I really want to see you succeed with this because this looks really cool and it's a great concept. Um, but I would, I would try to put like a minimum on it at least. And it sounds like this, uh, this itch.io could help you with that. I dig it. All right. Well then, uh, there, there we have it in, a uh, by the time this, uh, <laughs> audio comes out, uh, you can go and find heavenly immortal monkey King on itch.io. Uh, or at my website, rolandkunz.com. Uh, probably needs to be spelled. I guess you saw it in a moment or a moment ago. Yes, uh, it's R-O-L-L-I-N-K-U-N-Z dot com. Do visit because you get to see uh, some uh, portfolio of Roland's work as well, which is not to be missed. Uh, one other thing, if I may, uh, this might be cool for Glenn. Have you... Glenn, have you heard of Ink Shares? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. All right. Yes, we all have. That's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming late to the party. Have we no. already? Have you already talked about it on this site or uh, on this? Uh, Not on here. We haven't. But I know yeah. it's been talked about on. Well, actually, did we so, talk about it when JF was on? Yeah. I th- yeah, we did actually. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, another kind of member of the Galactic Netcasts family, uh, JF Dubow. Uh, was a part of the Ink Shares Sword and Laser contest, and uh, his book, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, ended up and and the contest was done through Inkshare, like I said before, and um, so we we talked about Inkshare quite a bit, and it's a it's a good service, absolutely. So uh, tell us, uh, Inkshare, Inkshare, <laughs> do catch the fever. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I, just uh, thinking about uh, various digital distribution methods. I, I wonder if anybody's done, like, like RPGs on there? Could you do that? You could probably do that, right? Uh, you know, yeah. that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe. I, I want to put... So I have this idea for an RPG that is uh, Matreshka doll-based. All right, nobody, nobody steal that idea. It's golden. Uh you know what I'm talking about, the Russian Matryoshka dolls? Yes. The, the nesting, nesting dolls? Or? Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you have uh, 
you know, a, a skill die that corresponds with how rotund you currently are. And of course, you can go down in size and, uh, you know, get better at sneaking, uh, go up in size, get better at battle. Perhaps, you know, I don't know. Just kicking around ideas. Uh, I just like, like the idea of a, a huge epic dark fantasy world where just everything living in it is a wobbly wooden creature. That fall, fall over. That uh, would keep me up at night if I read that. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly. And then, and then a fantasy novel in this setting, right? Ink shares. Catch the catch the Matryoshka fever. Um, <laughs> one other thing that I've been looking at, if I may. Yes. Uh. Another way of trying to make money as a uh, independent game maker. Uh, here is now this person, uh, Antipixelante. Have you have you heard of Antipixelante? She's been doing uh, blogs about game development and um, also sort of like game as it relates to gender issues and things like that to uh, for years like uh, I remember reading some of it in college maybe before that uh, but uh, she has this Patreon up and she's not the only person this is just a, a good example of uh, you know 189 patrons uh, each pledging a minimum of one dollar and she just has one pledge level because, you know, Patreon, just like Kickstarter, will give you multiple pledge levels. You yeah. unlock different things. Uh, the difference being you uh, you pay that money every month. So it's like a income coming in that the person can depend upon. Uh, 189 patrons, uh, patrons, giving her $902 per month, which is basically, you know, at least most of rent and bills and stuff. So uh, just thought that that was another... Cool little method of uh, keeping your head afloat as you make cool stuff. Yes, uh, actually, Galactic Dead Cats cast makes use of Patreon. Oh, yes. tell us more. <laughs> you, can be, you can become a patron of all of the wonderful shows on Galactic Netcasts. Yes, and there are quite a few. We've got, uh, I mentioned before, the Sci-Fi Geeks Club, and that's where we interview folks like... Andy Weir, and we were fortunate enough to have him on the show uh, October October 1st, it was, and that's right before the premiere of The Martian. Um, and we actually did a Patreon contest where we chose a random uh, 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 patron and have them be on the show and get a chance to ask Andy Weir some questions, which was really kind of fun. And Andy Weir is is a wonderful down-to-earth guy. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, it was uh, the most recent episode of the Sci-Fi Geeks Club. You can check that out on galacticnetcasts.com. Uh, we also do the Alien Invasion show, uh, and that's where we talk about aliens in uh, literature, in television, in movies, in comic books, uh, and in the news. And it's not just... We do talk about the science, so we talk about exoplanets and the search for life on exoplanets. So it's not all, you know, person in a latex mask pretending to be an alien or anything like that. But, uh, but so, it's some person in a latex mask, right? At least, <laughs> at least partially. 
<laughs> and and you know we don't take ourselves too seriously, so we do post the occasional um, weekly world news story. Um, but we also do try to uh, do stuff about entertainment news on alien-based film, like we talked about uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and we talked about uh, you know some upcoming movies that were about aliens. So that's what that show's about. And then we have other. Uh, oh, we've got the podcast of terror, which is a newer show where uh, Matt Stein and uh, Corey Scott talk about horror movies, um, upcoming uh, previous movies. Um, they're going to be talking about haunted houses because both of them are obsessed with haunted houses. Um, so that's kind of a fun show to listen to. There's oh, good lord, there's a lot of different shows that we have, and uh, they're all. They're all fun. They're all interesting. I'm, I may be biased because I am on three of them. Um, <laughs> no, no. no, not even a little mm -hmm. bit biased. Um, but then we have wonderful contributors like, you know, I talk about uh, Ryan Murphy, and he contributes uh, Galactic Gaming News. And we've got Daryl Johnston, who does um, Who Knew. I'm sorry, Who News. And he talks about, he's in the UK, so he gets a lot of the inside bits uh, about Doctor Who before we get that information here in the States. Um, we have a lot of different, smaller, uh, shorter listen, uh, boy, we call them galactic net bites because they're all, you know, five, maybe ten minutes long for these smaller bits of news and, and, and bits of information. And then we have our, our longer form shows like The Adventure Party, like Alien Invasion, like Sci-Fi Geeks Club, like uh, Podcast of Terror. So um, any any money that you can send our way that you feel uh, you would uh, are comfortable in backing uh, us with at uh, Patreon Patreon.com slash Galactic Netcasts, we would definitely appreciate the help. Uh, at this point, we have uh, we have our donations up to a point where we are actually going to be. Uh, moving our hosting for our audio podcasts to um, a company that doesn't necessarily throttle the amount of downloads. So we're getting some feedback that we use archive.org, and uh, they do their free service, and it's great for folks that are just starting out, but we're starting to get enough listeners to where we're getting a little bit of throttling on uh, downloads and things like that. So we're looking to to make a move and make a change and make it for the better and make it easier for everybody who does listen to us to, to listen to us when it's convenient for them. And uh, so we've got that funded. And our next step is to get the word out. So we're looking to um, get enough backing from our, our from our patrons on Patreon uh, to actually do a bit of, of advertising and get the word out that we have these shows and that uh, people do enjoy listening to them and uh, build a bigger network. So, that's our push for Patreon.com. So thank you for bringing that up, because <laughs> I always forget yeah, you know, to mention it. That's what I'm here for. Just yeah, the yeah. proceeding has been an unpaid advertisement for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, there's no pressure here, but uh, you know, if you enjoy what you what you hear, um, you know, we we would uh, we would love the support. So. There you go. Yes, and, and Patreon's been been wonderful, and uh, you know I back uh, some other stuff too. And um, you know everybody that we talked to, Brian Brushwood. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of some of the other shows that we've we've had guests on that that use Patreon. All of them have said that uh, uh, Tom Merritt uh, uses Patreon. Um, 
they they enjoy it and it, it, it's done wonders for them. So. Well, man, every every little bit counts. It, and you know, we I, I mean, I personally uh, ingest uh, a goodly portion of uh, free media. So whenever whenever there's some uh, chance that I can give a little back, you know, that's a that's a and, good thing to do. Just just gives you a little little bit of karmic uh, cookie points. Kind of <laughs> make, make you feel good about yourself. And everybody that, that, that gets backed uh, does does appreciate that. So, you know, it's it, it's it's a good thing. So, so uh, you know, uh, bringing it back to the Martian, I just yes. saw the Martian, and uh, you know, spoiler alerts here. Uh, but this is Ridley Scott's movie, new movie, and you know, I was I was just waiting. I was I was waiting for those aliens, and they just <laughs> they never came. Yeah, the aliens. I thought as the credits rolled, <laughs> but then then there was the the post credit stab and aliens showed up. So you know. <laughs> no, it's a oh, it, it's a wonderful book. And if, if folks that listen to this and I you know we're kind of crossing, I I guess it would be safe to say if you play board and card games, you don't probably live in a bubble you do read sci-fi you do read fantasy I'm, I'm willing to take that bet and uh, I, I can't recommend the book of the Martian enough I have not seen the film I have heard a lot of incredible things about the film and I am planning on seeing it but please read the book because it's it's absolutely wonderful uh, I'm sorry I, I'm sorry I spoiled the uh, post credit stab for you with the, uh, the xenomorphs I, uh, coming in, the the desolate Mars. There we go. Bur- yep. Burst out of the sands. Yep. Yeah. That's basically. And they were like little chibi. Uh, chibi. Virgins chibi giggers. As well, you know. Beep beep beep. Bursting out. <laughs> yep. Just like that. So, there you go. Um, you know, uh, getting back to scroungeable games because you know, oh, yeah. I do enjoy messing around with our guests on here, and we try not to be, we don't try not to take ourselves too seriously, but we do try to, you know, um, have fun while we talk about our topics. But getting back to this, <laughs> get to get to work, get to work. No, um, um you know, for oh. folks that maybe don't necessarily have a whole lot of, of uh, gaming, I guess paraphernalia for lack of a better term, what do you recommend for for folks to build up maybe some stuff to use for scroungeable games? Oh, well, I mean, there, there's always, uh, you know, the, the good old thrift store slash garage sale route. Sure. Um, but uh, also, I always just have a list of, Common makeshift components uh, on the back, you know. Oh, perfect. So, so for example, uh, skittles would be fine for many tokens. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, uh, you want to have, you know, you, you want to have minis, but you can really use any sort of object that fits on that board that is distinguishable from the other objects. Uh, the only thing that Heavenly Immortal Monkey King does require is RPG dice. So that means that yes, I, I did pick the most. Uh, uh, Component uh, intensive uh, scroungeable game to release first, but you know whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think that people that are are getting to this point probably have a set of RPG dice, and I, if not, you can get yeah. one for like four bucks. 
And, you're going to you know, do other stuff. I'm sorry. That will, that will introduce people to their local game, st- uh, game shop, yeah. too. So. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the idea, too, is, is uh, you get them in the door and you, you kind of, uh, you know, buy a scratchable game for a couple of bucks and eh, maybe I'll buy some dice, too. Kind of make friends with retailers. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, more, more local retailers for, for games is, is always a good thing. Um, I do have another thing to talk about with Scrunchable Games. Uh, okay. just, uh, the, so uh, a lot of the cheap-ass games, now Steve Jackson, or um, no, no James Ernest. <laughs> James uh, Ernest, yep. Uh, James Ernest uh, has been doing this for a while, and a lot of the newer cheap-ass games coming out are uh, like kind of deluxe reskins of the of old ones, yeah. uh, at least the ones that we're, we're seeing. And they'll be like 25 30 bucks or whatever for a, a new Professor Elemental version of uh, what was that what was that one stuff and nonsense yeah yeah there you go stuff and nonsense um, yeah um, it was uh, arctic oh crap scott captain park's imaginary polar expedition yes yep awesome i'm i'm glad you had that i did not have that prepared um <laughs> so uh i i got to try out uh, one of the newer ones uh captain treasure boots one of the newer like fully cheap ass versions of them and now these it was uh like 15 bucks maybe 12 15 bucks something like that and uh it did come with some components it came with little chips and they were nice they you know cardstock uh they were full color as well uh double sided uh little things so and there were there were boards there there's a simple little uh pretty flimsy cardstock uh board that you can make the 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 set of islands with, but uh, in, so in the game you're all uh, pirates and one of you is secretly Captain Treasure Boots. Glenn's got it. Right. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> uh, have you gotten a chance to play it, Glenn? Yes. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, it, pretty quick round the table game, uh, and uh, I liked the mix of uh, strategy, but there's this element of you do not really need to plan your turn ahead. You know, uh, there's this wind element, and it will change every turn or not change, and so your turn is pretty much on the fly. So it's a really good beer and pretzel kind of game where uh, you can be uh, chatting and just kind of half paying attention until your turn comes up. Uh, and that's cool, you know. I, I think that you need to have a, a mix of both, uh, but um, it's nice that to see that a, a company can get out some ideas quickly uh, and not worry about it so much. Like, you know, lots of games can be balanced a little bit better uh, when they're released, but if we can, uh, I don't know, sometimes it just feels good to put a cap on a game. Say, okay, I'm releasing this into the wild. Here it goes. (laughs) (laughs) No, very cool. And, uh, yeah, that's always been the thing that, appeal to me about like the cheap ass games and now scroungeable games is just having that list of okay you as a game player probably have this here's an idea of what you can use if you don't have this and um and the games have always been really fun to play uh and they're very compact too, you know. You, yeah. You're not, you're not necessarily set like the a lot of the the classic cheap ass games came in an envelope, you know. You had the the cards or um, the 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 boards, and they were you know like in in smaller pieces, and you assembled the board 
Uh, I'm trying to think. What is the um, uh, Deadwood Studios? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was a, a lot of fun, and I think we have a a deluxe version of that. But the original, it, it came in an envelope, and Kill Doctor Lucky came in an envelope, and uh, you know some of the other. Um, Before I Kill You, Mr. Bond, which now is, what did they get relabeled on? Name Spy Game, I believe, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because they finally, uh, I don't know if it was the broccoli people or. Or, or whoever came after them. Um, but anyway, that was the beauty of, of, of something like that. It's just that that innocence and that that pure, unadulterated joy without all the extra crap that can come along with it. You got the game, and you weren't saddled with extra extra stuff. And in a way, the nice thing about that is it, made you look back through your other games and rediscover, oh, God, I haven't played that in a while. And and then you, you know, re-sparked interest in playing some of these other games that maybe you haven't touched in maybe a year, you know, uh, and, and, and rediscover that joy and that love of games that you had before with, with some of these other games. So I think it, it serves a definite a definite purpose for for gamers, so... And sometimes the joy you get out of those games is uh, the sweet minis, you know? Just pull those minis out. Play, play with the tiny plastic figurines for a while. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about that. Uh, yeah, and uh, another cool thing about cheap-ass games and about, well, yeah, you know, when, when scroungeable games as well when they start uh, getting pumped out, uh, they don't have to be smaller games, you know? You can pay uh, five bucks or whatever for a, a fairly meaty experience, like uh, one that comes to mind. Deadwood is pretty meaty. Uh, one False Step for Mankind, that's like a two-hour game minimum, uh, yeah. where you, you try to uh, build faulty rocket ships um, and, and <laughs> explode. Uh, you know, so it's not limited by the scope of the game just because it's smaller, because we don't have to pay for all those components and things. Uh-oh. Host on the loose. Uh, well, uh, can I talk about a game that I've been geeking out about? What do you think? I I love the game, so go right ahead. Talk, talk, uh, talk. We're, we're, we're going to talk about a, a, another cool one that is not scroungeable, but is pretty awesome. Yeah, this, this is completely... Uh, oh, you were, getting, you were getting a pile of game. I see. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like, oh, God, I need to run away. No, but like, here's, here's biting off heads. Yeah. Here's, uh, you know, Devil Bunny Needs a Ham. One of the best games ever. <laughs> yep. I love that game. Uh, Renfield. Uh, you know, the, 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 the themes of the games were all different and imaginary and uh, so much fun. And in the lower corner, I know you guys can't, can't see this that are, are checking us out on YouTube, but in the lower left corner, it's need uh, you need pawns for every player, counters that match the pawns, three six-sided dice, one poker deck without jokers, and about $10,000 in play money or poker chips. Boom. Done. Yeah. But all the rest came in this envelope. Okay, so uh, that's who we're getting back to here with, uh, with Scroungeable Games, is getting back to the core giving you a game that's that's economical and you probably already own the pieces to make the rest of the game work and and that's a very good thing so 
And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you back on the show, Roland, is this is a great idea. We really want people to, to know about this. And it uh, frees up the designer to <clears throat> take theme risks, you know? If I, if I have a theme that's really bizarre, like, uh, you know, 1960s uh, airport trying to... <laughs> Trying to get my plane off the ground. I, I can just go for it. I don't need to worry about whether that Kickstarter succeeds. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, it, it Well, it really does free up the designer to just keep imagining games and go, okay, well, here's the board, here's the, the cards, here's the concept, boom, move on to the next, and, and get that game out the door. So, And not be bogged down with finding a distributor and somebody to make your pawns or your pieces and not, you know, have, where do you go to purchase dice to add to the box that you're, you're putting? You don't have to deal with all the minutiae that goes into the rest of the game. You just design the concept, get the general concept out there, print out the cards, boom, move on. So, <clears throat> so can I uh, geek out about a, a game real quick? Absolutely. I, I saw this at Gen Con, and I, uh, I didn't pick it up at Gen Con, but I picked it up recently because it's so cool looking. Uh, it is called Three Cheers for Master, and it is basically a uh, turn-based battle strategy Jenga kind of a thing. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's no dexterity component here, I guess I should say that. But uh, the idea is that uh, the, overlord, the Dark Overlord uh, has taken over the whole world, and you are one of a few uh, uh, overseer minions that uh, wants to uh, keep your neck safe when he returns, uh, disappointed that there's nothing left to take over, uh, by uh, coming up with a, a plan to make the best cheerleading tower uh, to impress him, <laughs> cheer him up. Yep. So, uh, so the idea is you're trying to build a tall tower of minions... And uh, here, uh, did I, here, let me send you this link so you can show it off. Uh, but really cool art. Um, each of the minions has a, a good amount of flavor in, in the art and also in the flavor text. Uh, just really smart, uh, efficient design here. The minions mm -hmm. will attack in different directions. They'll block in different directions. Uh, and, and you can play minions on your tower or on other people's towers. As soon as a big hairy fight card comes out and they're kind of randomly placed throughout the deck, uh, everything will go haywire, and and the things that the minions that need to attack will attack. The things that uh, you know can block will block. Things will fall on other things. Gravity is in effect. So if you put a heavy thing on top of a flyer uh, and there's nothing below it, it'll smash down and crush the flyer and uh, maybe see that little broken bone uh, yeah. icon there. Those icons all mean different things. Uh, if a broken bone, I think it's called a weak uh, minion, takes a fall of any sort, it dies. So yep. there are all these different ways. You have to strategize on how to crush your opponent's towers and, and uh, get them from, from not uh, stacking up too high and getting their four minion higher than yours. Uh, I, but I, I tried it out recently, and I, I love uh, small package gotcha card games, and this one is uh, one of the better ones that I've seen come out recently so that's 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 what I've been geeking about and, and this card here that we're if you're checking out the YouTube version of this it's makeshift erections failed as a band but rocked the axe <laughs> you got a got a giant axe there using uh, ropes and pulleys to yep. 
maneuver. And these these four tiny minions with one on the top holding a flag. <laughs> uh, uh, so Glenn, of course, you're already familiar. I'm just it's in my collection. I have played it. I'm just it's boring you. I can never no. I can never find a cool thing for Glenn. Because well, because he's he's Glenn. He's he's the the BFD. That is not true, Roland. A cool thing that you found is something that you made. You've been posting those awesome little dungeon room pictures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for folks who don't follow Roland Coons on uh, on uh, on Facebook, you should do that because he has drawn some great uh, tiles, essentially, for uh, constructing, like, a, a dungeon. Um, and and they're just they're just gorgeous. Uh, thank you. The the project at this point is called Doodle Dungeon, and it is uh, just a a way for me to get some drawings out there. But uh, it's also gonna hopefully turn into a, a bigger project and kind of come out with a you know a, a deck of cards basically that you can build a random dungeon with. I have a a little scroungeable game attached to it, and I'll uh, bundle it with. It's a quick little, basically, uh, super fast armies, uh, like, army building game. Uh, okay. Where you use little uh, RPG dice as units. So, again, with the RPG dice, I just love little little things. And I look at them, and I'm like, man, I've got so many of these. What can I do with those? <laughs> I yeah. feel probably other people feel the same way, so... <laughs> well, some people like uh, previous guest Rob Benton have a dice addiction, and every time they 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 go to Gen Con and it hasn't gone for a while, but he would get the the big cup of dice from from Chessex. Um, and if he finds somebody who's going to Gen Con, he'll be like, "Here's some money. Give me a give me <laughs> another scoop of dice." <laughs> two two scoops. Oh Lord, he's got like this. A wooden chest that I, I swear to you is about a foot wide by about probably eight inches tall and probably about, I don't know, six inches wide. When I say, I'm sorry, eight, eight inches deep and oh, six wow. inches wide. So it's <laughs> like a, it looks like a treasure chest, and he opens it up, and there's just this ungodly collection of 20-siders, 12-siders, 4-siders. It's just, it's ridiculous. And um, it's its his one true addiction that he has. He has all sorts of dice from from Chessex. So, there you go. It's a relatively uh, harmless addiction, I'd say. I mean... For the most part. You can, you can let it get to you, but <laughs> I can see how that'd be. That'd be cool. now, now, what would mess me up is I gotta keep them all organized by color. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have like yeah. a tackle box or something. And and thankfully he doesn't care. He just <laughs> comes out in there and he's like, oh, I'll just dig through here and find the one that I need. So just put that's, in the that's his deal. Yeah. Um, what else can you tell us? What uh, you've been playtesting Heavenly Immortal Monkey King. What is the next game that you are looking to get out there to to play test for Scroungeable Games? Uh, it's uh, it'll actually be attached to the Doodle Dungeon project, okay. and it, okay. it is called uh, Dungeon Crushers at this time. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll send you guys copies when it's ready to to play test. It's it's basically ready. To, I mean, I've been play testing it. So uh, right now the the whole thing about 
it and sending it out for playtesting is um, I need to build those cards. <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, there is, however, a I, I did put together a, a quick and dirty way of building a dungeon randomly out of just a standard deck of playing cards. So, uh, yeah, maybe uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks I'll have that up on something as well, some sort of social media thing. Start a Patreon. Get get that for free. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. And I'm looking through our list of questions, and I think that we've really covered a lot of the questions that we had about scroungeable games. So um, we're definitely going to be posting stuff. As Roland puts out more stuff about scroungeable games, we'll be posting that on the uh, Galactic Netcast Facebook page uh, and, uh, and and kind of promoting what Roland's doing as things come out. So um, we definitely, as as a show, we firmly back what Roland's doing here with, with Scroungeable Games because the games like this, and I said it before, you're digging through your components and that helps you rediscover your love for some of these other games that maybe you've neglected and you'll dig through and you go, oh gosh, I should really play this game again. So anything that rekindles the love for games that you've played before and maybe haven't touched in a while is definitely a good thing because board gaming brings people together and that's that's what it's all about. So Awesome, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I'll and, have to hit you back with some uh, promo art or something like that. <laughs> and you know, as you as you release new projects for for scroungeable games, we'll have you on and we'll talk about it. Cool. I'm, so. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello, my name is. Speaking of uh, hitting us up, is a is an opportunity for you to tell us about your favorite character in a game that you uh, have been playing, are currently playing. Uh, or have played in the past, and you just think back, and you're like, gosh, I really love that cleric I played, or I really like that decker I played in Shadowrun. Um, hopefully it's a newer edition where the deckers don't suck, but, you know, we've talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so the decker's going to play now. Everybody else, <laughs> take a nap. Yep. <laughs> have, have some in-character conversations. Uh, can I tell you about my new D&D character that yes. I just created? All right. Yes. Here, let me let me send you a, a quick little photo here. <laughs> there you go. This is uh, Malefagor Who. Wizards of the Coast released a... Uh, mystic class. They didn't have a psionic class in the base. Oh text. yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're playtesting the mystic class right now. They only have five levels of it out at the moment, but sure. you know. It, so Maleficor Hume is a minotaur, and of course the minotaur is also from their waterborne, unearthed arcana little uh, PDF expansion thing, uh, and he is uh, a crazy. Bastard. Here, uh, do I have his back? Uh, I've got his character sheet right here. Hang on. All right, so Maleficor Hoom raised a proud minotaur, uh, but fared poorly in his people's traditional gladiatorial arenas thanks to his latent psychic abilities. Uh, the empathic psychic pain he felt from his proximity to their violence kept him from success and status. Deported and shipped overseas, 
for Hoom's luck stayed true as the vessel carrying him was attacked. During the panic, Hoom's psychic power manifested powerfully, causing both crafts to sink. Now, Hoom spent several years haunted by his shipmates, stranded on a small island before being captured as a curiosity. That's how he's going to start out uh, the campaign. Nice. All right. Well, this is like an unconventional way of getting a certificate from us because that's what <laughs> happens. <laughs> Normally yeah. what happens is folks go to galacticnetcasts.com and uh, we have a – if you uh, click to the Adventure Party podcast, off on the right-hand side in the upper right-hand corner there is a, a graphic that says, Hello, my name is. And what you do is you click that and you fill out uh, the little form that we have there. Yes, we do ask for your email address. Uh, I despise spammers and spamming and all things uh, about spam, except if you're talking about the actual meat in the can that I will eat on occasion. Uh, that is fine. But what we do is we just use that email address, and what I'm going to do for Roland, because he took the time to tell us about his character, is I'm going to put together a certificate suitable for framing, and uh, I will email that to Roland, and he will be able to print that out and frame that if he would like to, or just pin it up on the wall, or do whatever he wants to with it. Uh, no, just you, as you a... know it'll be framed. <laughs> and, and, and we do that just as a thank you for folks taking the time to to share their characters with us and their love of 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 RPG games, and um, and and that's what we like to do here for. Hello, my name is. Uh, the other thing, too, is uh, we also take feedback. You can always uh, contact us by going to uh, galacticnetcast.com. Um, you can check us out. Uh, you can email us, contact us. I'm kind of going out of complete sequence of my normal script here, so I haven't done the show for a little bit, so I'm a, I'm a little rusty, so here we go. Uh, you can go to galactic, uh, you can email us at galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. Uh, or you can call us or text us at the number 805-328-3966, and you can, can leave us a voice message or a text message, or you can go just to galacticnetcasts.com, and in the lower left-hand side of the screen, there is a, a box that says, Leave a Message. And if you click that and you have a microphone attached to your computer, you can leave us a voice message right there. And it will shoot us an MP3 in the email to us, and then we will be able to play that back and uh, talk about what that individual has to say. Uh, you can find all of our social media outlets, like YouTube, which uh, we mentioned before is where you get to see this show as it's recorded live. So you get to see it live and uncensored, uh, where the audio version of this might have some, some, some cleanup to make the audio sound a little bit better. But you get to hear the rough cut here on the YouTubes. Uh, you can check us out at youtube.com slash galacticnetcasts, uh, or you can just go to galacticnetcasts.com, and we have all the links to uh, our Facebook uh, page, our Facebook group. The group is more interactive, and we interact with our listeners there uh, throughout the day. Um, I'm not so active on the weekends, but more during the week, I'm, I'm more active there. Um, Gosh, we've got uh, well, we've got a Google Plus page, but it looks like Google Plus is not going to be around much longer. Um, but uh, another thing too, uh, if you listen to us uh, in an audio fashion, uh, you can check us out on iTunes and Stitcher, 
uh, you have the opportunity to leave some feedback there, which we would greatly appreciate. Uh, it does two things. One, it lets us know how we're doing as a show. If there's something you like, let us know. If there's something you don't like, let us know. Uh, it also gives you the ability to, uh, for iTunes, leave a, uh, a starred review. There's one to five stars that you can click, and you can click whatever star level you think we are worthy of and let us know uh, what you think in that regard. And when you, and item number two, is when you leave feedback, uh, like with Stitcher, it's a thumbs up or thumbs down. As you leave feedback, it kind of boosts our ranking and shows other people stuff that they might be interested in. So the more feedback we get, good or bad, uh, the more we get out there and people can discover the show, which we always like to expand the size of our adventure party group. So we would appreciate you taking the time to do so. And, and of course, the goal is to get as high a ranking of visibility as possible with as low a score as possible. Just, just hatred, just pouring <laughs> from every corner. Uh, so, okay, I'm just going to run this by you real quick. How about a little mini contest here? For the the uh, what's what's the D and D character uh, segment called? Hello, my name. Oh, hello, hello, my, my name is. Yep. How about a, a quick little contest there? Uh, whoever is selected as the coolest character for the next one, I will draw that portrait for free. How do you like that? Oh my! Well, throw a little sweet in the pot a little bit. As, yeah, as absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I'll just throw it out there. I'll do it. Appreciate that, Roland. Uh, so you heard it. If you. Uh, the next person to send us a hello, my name is character, uh, we will get that information to Roland, and that's the, the information I'm saying. Like I said, I don't spam, but won't send you his email, uh, the email address, uh, but we will get the character name and uh, the description of your character to Roland, and he will make a, a reproduction or an artist's rendering of your character based on your description. So... You heard it here first, folks. Use yeah, that really. as an internet avatar. <laughs> Just Photoshop it onto your character sheet. The possibilities are endless. Travel mugs. You know. <laughs> well, there you go. And you're getting like uh, amazing rights to reproduce this image however you see fit. So I, I do copyright stuff on in my real uh, life job. So... <laughs> Ah, uh, copyright. There you go. So, um, <laughs> oh, copyright. <laughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I want to thank you, Roland, for coming back on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, the concept of Scroungeable Games is wonderful. And uh, we definitely want to keep talking about the projects that you're doing. Heavenly, Immor Heavenly Immortal Monkey King is the first one, and the next game, once you have a finalized name for it and uh, you get a chance to play test it more, we definitely want to have you back on it and, and talk about that as well. Awesome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me back. And uh, please, let us know. If people want to find out more about you, Roland Coons, and, uh, and uh, Scroungeable Games, where should they go? Uh, definitely RolandKoons.com is great. Uh, uh, although, it, well, it's really just to point you to, uh, you know, every social media outlet. So you can follow me. Uh, it's the, just going to be the same. You can just search for R-O-L-L-I-N-K-U-N-Z. You will find me on Facebook. You will find me on Twitter. You will find me on Instagram. You will find me on Tumblr. Uh, you will find me on Society6. You will find me on Behance, uh, LinkedIn, whatever you want to find me on. 
whatever your jam is, I will be posting <laughs> things on there. Um, of course, you can just pick one. And there you go. Stuff, so. so wherever you are, he is, and not in a creepy, <laughs> stalkery way. Nah, well, probably. Maybe a little. Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> uh, and we will uh, post the link to uh, rollandcoons.com. Uh, in the show notes for this uh, particular episode so you can have a quick way to click over and check out Roland's work because it is nothing to be missed. And, and sure. post a link for the Hello My Name Is as well. Uh, uh, and I would love to... Whoever has the coolest character, I would love to draw that character. So Perfect. It's on. It's on. All right. And uh, I want to thank you, Glenn, for uh, joining us once again, going into the breach, talking about games and gaming. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Glenn? You can find out more about me on the YouTube. Search for Naked Hope Productions or the Beam Weep Bunker on Facebook, uh, Beam Weep Bunker, uh, Naked Hope Productions, Mr. and the RPG, Apocalypse How. Um, or just follow me on the Twitters at Naked Hobo. <laughs> Every time you say Naked Hobo, it makes me giggle because I'm five. All right. Uh, one last thing before we uh, we close up. Uh, I just wanted to kind of dedicate this episode to somebody uh, important to me who who passed away, who was a kind of a cheerleader uh, for getting me to to do the show. Um, and was was my best friend. Um, my ex-wife, uh, Joyce Newby, passed away recently, and I uh, uh, always wanted to have her on the show, and we're looking to, to have a kind of a tribute episode in the next couple of weeks, and we are going to get some of the, the old LARP crew together uh, from back in the day. And as a tribute to her, does that sound a little self-indulgent? Maybe, but um, one, it's a way to get her on the show, uh, even though she can no longer be with us uh, physically, but at least in spirit. And two, I wanted to have another way to show you guys. We had the folks from LARPs on the show uh, two episodes ago, and uh, LARPing as a community is something really really wonderful and I wanted you to kind of see how this community of friends who LARP together uh, kind of remember the good old days, talk about the games a little bit, but also show you that a LARP can be a family and that's that's definitely what we were and she was kind of the core of that family. So this is for you, Joyce. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Adventure Party. May your characters never die and your adventures always be epic. Thank you and... Good night. Good night. You have been listening to a presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. For more about the show you just listened to, including how to subscribe, give us feedback, links to our social feeds, and more, please visit www.GalacticNetcasts.com.